Today's scripture comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. Mark 4, 35 through 40. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were there with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was asleep on the cushion on the stern. And they woke him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let me just say, start again and say, how do we face life's storms? The history of the Methodist Church can teach us how to do that. The year was 1736. A young pastor named John Wesley ordered a ship to return to England from the American colonies where he had a failed missionary trip. As the boat sailed, it got out into the deepest part of the ocean, and suddenly a major squall came up, and a storm, and it ripped the sails. It knocked down the mast, and the deck began to flood. Most of the passengers were screaming in terror certain that that would be the end of their life. One of those that was completely terrorized was John Wesley. Yes, a young pastor who would later found the Methodist church was as scared as all the other passengers. But as fate would have it, he stumbled on a group of Moravians, German missionaries, who were calmly praying singing hymns, calming the other passengers, and testifying to their faith. Now, the ship didn't sink. And later, John Wesley went to find these German missionaries. And he found them, and he said, What is it? What is it that allowed you, under those circumstances, to be so calm? And they testified to him that what it was was simply their faith. That even on what could have been their very last day on earth, their faith kept them calm and buoyed. Now, we... Oops. Well, that worked too. Yeah. Storms, times of adversity, stress, and worry, it seems, can also be a time when you can make things for the better. For from that storm, from that situation, was what led John Wesley to continue to meet with these Moravian German missionaries. And from that came much of the basis for the faith of the Methodist Church. Storms and adversity can 
bring great change in right circumstances. Now, stress and fear are a part of life. We all know that. We've all faced it. Of course it is. But there's also good stress and bad stress and good fear and bad fear. Now, we all know that about the good fear. It's the kind of fear that you have when your alarm system goes off at 2 o'clock in the morning and you wonder what in the world is going on out there. As it happens to Debbie and I just two weeks ago. So, of course, I sent Debbie out to find out what was going on. <laughs> I, I really didn't do that. I wouldn't do that. As it turns out, it was simply a malfunction of the alarm system, which didn't make us very happy but, or secure. But it was not something we feared. But that is a good kind of fear. That's the kind of fear that prepares us to face certain challenges. It tells us to run when we hear the rattle of a snake or to get prepared when the emergency alarm goes off at 2 o'clock in the morning. But there's also a kind of fear that Timothy in the Bible calls a spirit of fear. That's the kind of fear that causes us to pull further away from our God, further away from our faith. It's a kind of fear that disrupts our relationship with God. Now, before I go into talking about how we start trusting God with these fears and concerns, I think we should talk a little bit, and we need to understand why. I found one of the best samples of that in Isaiah 41.10. In Isaiah, God says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will uphold you with a victorious right hand. God goes on to say in 43.2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. The word of God for the people of God. Now, Isaiah doesn't say if or maybe, but God says to Isaiah, and Isaiah says, when you go through the storms. We all have been, maybe some of us are, or will be going through storms. It is how to face those storms. And at that time, what Isaiah says is to listen, and you will know that God will guide you, God will comfort you, and God will carry you. Um, now, we all face these kinds of storms in our lives. And I've had some people that I've met that have faced these kinds of storms, and I understand. My profession causes me to often be with people who are going through the storms of life. One such person was Jason Schechterly. Jason was a police officer for the city of Phoenix. And one day he was responding to a domestic disturbance call, and he got there, and he noticed that other officers arrived before him, and that they had the situation pretty well under control. So he sat in his cruiser and he radioed in the status of the situation and asked for his next assignment. Just as he was doing that, a car 
slammed into the rear end of his cruiser. It immediately burst into flame with Jason inside. Now, in working on this case, I learned that 12 officers had been killed in very similar other circumstances and more than two dozen others injured. But as it happened in this case, Jason did survive. However, at the scene, his fellow officers saw how badly he was burned and prayed. God help him. There is no way our brother survives. Please let Jason go quickly so that he suffers no more. Now, as it turned out, Jason did survive. And Jason went on a crusade for safer police vehicles and procedures. I was fortunate enough to work with him on that project. And one day, we were driving from Austin, where he just testified before the Texas legislature, to Dallas, where we were meeting with police officers up there and going to hold a press conference. We got about to Waco, and I turned to Jason, and I said, eh, let's stop for a bite. Let's go into Outback. I think that's where it was, you know? And there was a long pause, and Jason looked at me, and he said, Richard, Richard, I can't go in there. I'd scare the children and make everybody nervous. I had been traveling with Jason for so long that I had forgot how others see him. And I think, I started to think about that after he said that, what he had been through and what he'd lost. Living through that fire, months, months of stayed in the hospital and the treatments, if any of you know about burn treatments, they are very painful, very painful. And then the life in the shadows, couldn't go into the restaurant. And mostly one of the stories he told me about how when he got home, his child ran from him saying, that's not my daddy, that's not my daddy, and how painful that was to him. And as I was thinking this, Jason is a very bright individual. He turned to me and he said, you know, Richard, you know, Richard, I am the luckiest man alive. I have my faith. And he shared with me how he and Susie, his wife, shared that deep faith and how it gotten through, gotten him through these really tough times. Jason didn't say, Richard, I'll make it through it, or I'll figure it out somehow, or I'll, I'll deal with it. It was, Richard, I am the luckiest man alive. I have my faith. That was so powerful to me to see that person who had been through so much say those words and to understand what faith had done for him and for Susie. Jason went on to champion safer police vehicles, which he got nationwide, safer police procedures that help avoid these things. He met with presidents, appeared on 60 Minutes, threw out the first pitch of a major league baseball game, carried the Olympic torch through Phoenix, and has a book written about his exploits.
amazing thing that faith can do, even in times of serious trouble. You know, just two weeks ago, I was sitting with some of the members of this church, and we were sharing some difficulties. And I remember it so well, what one man whose daughter had cancer said in that meeting. He said, as long as I love her, as long as I love God, as long as I love my fellow man, the rest is irrelevant. How do we have that kind of faith, that amazing faith that that fellow member of this church had and that Jason had? Well, I like to put it to a word, calm, because it's the calmness that this brings us. And that calm means, one, care for others. Two, associate with others of faith. Lift your cares to God and make a choice to remember the Lord is near. Now, first, care for others. It's a really interesting and amazing thing that we hear from people who go on mission trips, go on recovery trips, go to Helping Hands, help build a house, go work on a community garden, go help move a church or a school when they need to. How caring for others shows us how God helps us through those tough times. And I've never had anybody that did that that didn't say, you know, Richard, that helped me. That helped me even more than the other person. It helped me understand how God works in our lives. Next, share your faith and share time with people that have faith. You know, you're here today, and that's a great, that's a bedrock of sharing faith, and that's a great beginning. But there's something special that happens when you sit in a prayer group or a reunion group, a study group, and you share your faith, and you share sometimes your problems, as we did a couple of weeks ago, sometimes the strength of your faith and the good things. Sharing your time with others of faith helps you understand what faith can do and helps get you through the storms. And of course, lift your cares to God. Prayer is the basic foundation of our faith. And Jesus taught us how to, some things about that prayer. On the day before he faced, his, he was arrested, and the time when he knew he was facing probably the greatest adversity any human has ever faced. faced. He went alone into the Garden of Gethsemane. He fell on his, on the ground, and he said, Lord, take this cup from me. But the ending of that prayer is the basis of how we pray to bring ourselves to God, and that is not my will, but thine be done. Jesus also taught us a little bit more about this kind of praying and how we should do it when we're facing adversity. Another time when he was stressed out and worried was after he had fed the multitude of 5,000. And the Bible tells us he was so strained at that time, he sent his disciples off to go across the Sea of Galilee, and he went up the mountain to be alone, to pray with God. And it's that time that helps so much for us to understand. Time spent alone 
with God brings great healing, great calmness, and great ability. Now, the other thing that we need to, to remember to do is make sure you, and I can't get my little computer here to work, so I'll keep trying that. But make sure you remember that God is always near. When we make sure that we remember that factor, that God is near, that God is always with us, he never leaves us, then it allows us to go to him and be comforted by him. When we care, show our love for our fellow man by caring for others, we learn that we are loved. When we associate with others who have great faith and great trust, we learn how to have that faith and how to have that kind of trust. When we ensure that we make, remember that God is always near, then we know that he is there and we can trust him. When we make the choice, when we're faced with adversity, to turn our focus to God, to put our minds, our faith, our souls into looking towards God, then we can hear those words that Christ said on that Sea of Galilee. Don't be afraid. Let us pray. Our gracious and kind Father in heaven, we know that you are always with us. We know you are there to always comfort us, to bring calmness to us, to help us through life's storms. God, we ask you to help us remember that you were there, to help us learn to trust you and to turn our faith to you. In Jesus' name, amen.